are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, and today is Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. I'm your host, Tidane Gonzalez, and I'm a little bit sick today, so bear with me on that. Joined, as always, by Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control zone for more information on that. And if you like what you hear, give the show a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We greatly appreciate it here on Locked On Mariners. And on today's show, we're going to talk about Ryan Divish's article that came out last night, gave out a few little interesting nuggets of information about the Mariners and where their head's at with Marcus Simeon. Talked about where their head is at with the uh, with the market in general. So we're going to cover all that stuff. We're also going to talk about Noah Syndergaard, who signed with an AL West team today. And we're actually going to kick things off with that today. So uh, Noah Syndergaard, of course, the right-handed pitcher, formerly of the Mets, has only pitched two innings over the last two years after undergoing Tommy John surgery, signed a one-year $21 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim today and uh, is going to be pitching for them. He foregoes the qualifying offer from the Mets, so the Angels will have to give up a third-round pick. And yeah, they're they're banking on uh, getting a healthy Syndergaard in there and, and hopefully tapping into what is you know a high floor number two type of uh, type of arm that he was for some time there uh, during the mid 20 uh, 2010s but it's kind of a risk there uh, Colby w- what did you think of the uh, the deal for Syndergaard here and the fit for the Angels who you know to be quite honest with you are pretty notorious for not being able to ke- keep their pitchers healthy yeah it, it was kind of the uh, a stereotypical Angels type of move where they went after a name more so than the actual player, um, more so than somebody who makes sense. Uh, like Syndergaard's not a bad pitcher. Uh, is he what he used to mm-hmm. be? No. I mean, definitively, no, he is not. Yeah. Um, he has, again, he's through two innings in the last two years. Um, and in... 2019 he was he was pretty good but again two innings in two years there is some downside here um the one-year nature is good for the angels uh the aav is a little high but it's the angels they don't care about money or winning baseball games so yeah it, it it's a deal that kind of makes sense but is anything but a sure thing and the and the angels kind of need sure things out of their rotation it just why why would you give this deal to uh to Cindergard instead of just going out and getting Gossman or Stroman guys who are safer and also help so maybe they go get those guys too and you know they just happen to sign Cindergard first but this is a pretty stereotypical move here for the angels where it's not so much about getting the right player it's about getting a big name that will excite people and you hope it works out. And, and so far for the angels, mm-hmm. it hasn't, um, but you know, new front office, maybe they get it. Uh, we'll see. 
But uh, yeah, this is a very like on the nose type of move for for the Angels to really focus on a name more so than finding the right guy to put in their rotation. Yeah, I just I don't like the fit at all for them. Like this is a this is a guy that they're gonna have to really hope gets back to where he he was, and I just don't think you're gonna get there. Like like you said. Um, plus, you know, in the two innings that he has thrown there towards the end of, uh, 2021, wasn't even using his breaking stuff. So he's not really built back up. You're paying $21 million to essentially build Noah Syndergaard back up and rebuild his value. And by the time that he gets there, if he does get there, which again is a long shot, it's probably June, July for $21 million. And look. I'm of the belief that really, you know, any one-year deal is a good deal, right? Or, well, I should rephrase that. There is no such thing really as a bad one-year deal. But honestly, I think this is kind of the closest that you can get because it just, it doesn't make sense for Syndergaard, who's trying to rebuild his value, to go to one of the, you know, organizations who's known to not be great with pitcher health and keeping pitchers healthy. For the Angels, I mean, really, what does this do for their like for their floor? I mean, like their ceiling goes a little bit higher if they hit it, if they hit on them. But again, those odds are so low with this, and they need floor. They need certainty, especially in that rotation. And they just, I don't, I don't think they really got that. Obviously, the off season is still young, but it's just that's a lot of money, a lot of payroll to commit for one year. To a guy who might be good for half a season. I don't think he's going to be a, an ace or a number two in their rotation, though. So for a number three at best. Eh, yeah, I'm not just, feeling this one for the Angels. Uh, it's worth noting that he gave up more earned runs in his last full season than anybody uh, in baseball. So uh, through a lot of innings, though. But he did give up 94 earned runs, which was the most in baseball in 2019. So, yeah, there's some there's some downside here. Um, like you said, if it hits, great. Uh, well, great for the Angels. Um, the odds that it hits, not not super high. But uh, we'll see what else they do. Mm-hmm. They were they were linked earlier today to Justin Verlander, which I mean, if there was ever a more perfect fitting between. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's another situation that's a little bit, you know, I mean, there isn't a ton of certainty there because we don't know where Justin Verlander post Tommy John is going to be nearing the age of 40. Yeah. I was more talking about, you know, the angels, you know, being kind of a-holes and and Verlander, a notable hypocrite and a-hole. So, um, personality wise, it seems like a great fit. But we'll see. We'll see sure. what happens there. Um, again, they, they were apparently in on Stroman. They were in on Rodriguez. So is is Syndergaard the one guy, or are they going to go get another you know top-notch starter? Um, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, as it stands right now, this one is questionable, to, to say the least. But it could work. So before we, we wrap this up here, what does it say about the starting pitching market to you? Seeing Syndergaard get $21 million given that he hasn't pitched in basically two years. I don't, I don't know because Rodriguez got less than I thought he was going to get. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't give you a good answer on that. Um, we also don't know what other teams were offering. 
Um, it sounds like 20 million was about what it was going to take. Um, otherwise, Syndergaard would have just taken the qualifying offer. Um, that, that's at least what I've been reading. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I, don't, I don't know what it. I don't know what it says. I, I think if I'm Kevin Gossman and uh, Marcus Stroman, uh, I'm pretty happy with what just happened. Um, but I honestly I couldn't say because I thought Rodriguez was going to get more. Uh, so I don't know exactly how this is going to play out. Yeah, it's a weird market so far. Just mm-hmm. everything you've seen, you know, from John Gray um, declining his uh, the or the offer that he was given from the Rockies, and then um, you know now you see Syndergaard and you see all you saw the deal that Eduardo Rodriguez got yesterday. So this market is all over the place. You see the valuations for for Steven Matz and, and guys like that. You now there's a report saying that Marcus Stroman could get twenty five million a year for five six years. Um, it just none of this really makes sense to me. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Mariners navigate all of this. But right now it seems like their focus is mostly on the bats in terms of free agency. Marcus Simeon is one of those guys. Ryan Divish wrote quite a bit about him and just the market in general and how the Mariners view all of this last night. Some pretty interesting things that came from that article that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate it. We finished in the top 10 MLB podcasts on the Locked On Network this past week. Thanks to you. We greatly appreciate it. Please continue to share us with your friends, family, all those out there who you know who are Mariners fans that are excited about this team, excited about this offseason. We got more offseason talk to go over here right now. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times putting out a fairly lengthy article about the state of the offseason and the state of the Mariners uh, heading into this offseason and uh, where their their mind is at looking at this um, at, at this market right now as they kind of focus most of their attention on the bats, mostly the infield bats that are out there, the top of the market. Marcus Simeon was named. Corey Seager was named. And uh, Divish said to start things off that uh, there are some in the industry that believe the Mariners are going to have to enter somewhat of a bidding war for Marcus Simeon with the San Francisco Giants, with the New York Yankees, and might have to give him an extra year, which would be a fifth year. Uh, that's what the projection is at about 140 to $150 million. So, Colby, let me ask you this to start things off. Would you be comfortable in giving Marcus Simeon that? Because that's about $28 million to $30 million AAV. Uh, it's a bit higher than, than I would like to go, um, but also about what we kind of expected. Um, you know, it's funny. We saw some projections from people who were like, 
oh, maybe like four and a hundred or five and one ten. And and we kind of thought that those were like way too low for sim like a twenty two, twenty mm-hmm. three million dollar AAV, and that just seemed way too low. So uh twenty eight to thirty, yeah, it it should be fine. Um if that's all it takes is the extra year. Uh fine. But you know, we've we've talked about Simeon's ties to the Bay Area and he's a West Coast guy and, and he went to college in the Bay Area. He played for the A's for you know, six years, seven years. So, uh, the fact that the giants are in on this is, um, is an issue for Seattle that they have to overcome. And the best way to overcome that is, is to just outbid those other teams because, you know, you can't even say like, Oh, well, you know, we won 90 games because well, the, the, the giants won 109 or whatever. So, uh, and that's home. So, yeah, if the extra year is what it takes, um, I, I think I'm I think I'm comfortable with it. Um, but also, you know, if, if it does if it does kind of collapse after year two or three, it's just kind of the cost of doing business. I, I don't think it is. I think Simeon's going to be pretty good for a while here. Um, so yeah, if, if ultimately it's look, you know, I'm going to sign with San Francisco for four and and you know. 100 or whatever but if you give me five and 130 or whatever it is uh then yeah i'm probably willing to do Mm. the extra year to land simeon i mean you're you're getting a guy here that has finished in the top three mvp voting in two of the last three years he just won the gold glove at second base he fits exactly what you need you need a top of the order bat and you get great defense out of it as well up the middle and uh and you add on you know the power that he added on this year as well near 40 home runs i don't know if he's going to be able to match that necessarily over the coming years but like you're getting you're replacing some of the power that you're losing in kyle seager you're getting a far better player you're getting a guy that has been a perennial mvp candidate and two and like i said two of the last three years obviously had a dry spell there in 2020 but you know if you're looking at the guys that are in this market right that are realistic for the mariners to target and obviously Corey seager was surprisingly mentioned as a guy that the Mariners quote unquote like. Um, I don't think that they're going after him. Divish also mentioned that they haven't talked to Carlos Correa yet because it doesn't seem like he's actually interested in moving to third base, despite what he said earlier on this year. At least that's what Divish said or what Divish has been told. Um, but yeah, I think for the guys that are realistic targets for the Mariners this offseason, Simeon's the guy. And, and they have made it pretty clear here. I mean, it's kind of the worst kept secret um, just in our little Mariners community here that the Mariners love Marcus Simeon. He is their guy this offseason. And uh, and at that and, and because of that reason or for that reason, I would do pretty much everything I can if I'm Jerry DePoto to make that happen, to bring him to Seattle, because that seems like he's a pretty huge part of their offseason plan. Yeah, you know, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you just have to, if you want something, you have to just go get it and, and worry about the cost a little bit later. Um, obviously, there's a limit, right? Uh, you can't just go out and give him $200 million over seven years and just double the offer of, of the, you know, of the comp- competition. But, um, you know, we're talking about an extra you know, an extra year at $30 million. Uh, that's an extra like five, 6 million bucks spread over the life of the contract per year. 
you just kind of deal with it. And, and that's what you have to do. And, and it sucks, but you're the Seattle Mariners. I mean, you're not going to get guys, you're not going to get the big guys at market cost when there's a legit competition, at least not yet. Um, you win a couple division titles. Um, maybe, maybe then you can get guys at cost and you can just win the recruiting pitch that way. But right now, you can't really do that. And then that's why we talked about the importance of going out and getting other players before making your final pitch to Simeon. And it, it kind of sounds like Seattle's working at it the opposite way where they're focused on Simeon and, and you know, they want to know that they have him in hand before they start putting a team around him. And that, that seems backwards to me. Um, but I also don't know if that's actually what yeah. they're doing. It just kind of seems that way because all the reports we're getting are about you know, Seattle and on Simeon pretty much. And so, um, mm-hmm. we don't know for sure which way they're going with this. Um, so it's a little unfair to speculate, but yeah, sometimes if you want a guy, you just have to put your cards on the table and say, we're like, this is what we're willing to do. And this is what, this is the best we can do. And if he says no to that, then okay, fine, move on. But don't, don't, uh, don't walk away from that table with chips left to play. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to you have to gamble and gamble big. And if you're right, fantastic. And if you're wrong, you know, hopefully you did a good enough job around everywhere else to uh, to kind of cushion that blow. But uh, yeah, at some point mm-hmm. you got to stand for something. And that is uh, to me, if Simmons your guy, go get it done. Yeah, we talked about it during the uh, Mark Canna thing that you got to make a statement, mm-hmm. and uh, you got to you got to give a player like Marcus Simeon, a reason to choose Seattle over these other places. And especially you mentioned the ties to the Bay area and San Francisco. And if San Francisco is going to be heavily involved in this, you have to do quite a bit. You have to bend over backwards to basically convince Marcus Simeon to forego going home, which is a huge ask, especially when you're competing with a team that, you know, again, this isn't an 82-win Giants team. This is a team that had the best record in baseball last year or this year. So, and they might be a Marcus Simeon away from winning a World Series. Who knows? You know, that might be what he thinks. And that's probably the pitch that they're selling to him. So, you know, if you're the Mariners, if you're Jerry DePoto, and what it's going to take for you to overcome that is money, you got to make it happen. Yep. You, you just you got to make it happen, especially for this fan base. This fan base is starved for a winner. They're starved for a a, a great offseason. They're starved for a an addition like a Marcus Simeon, a statement like that. You got to do it. You got to make that happen. And if that's what it's going to take, if it's going to take five years, 140, 150 million, that's more than fine. I mean, shoot, that. Colby, that's you, what you and I had projected for him initially before all these other reports had come out about yep. what people thought he would go for. So I, ha- I personally have already made peace with that number and that year commitment. So me personally, yeah, I'm all for it. The Mariners absolutely need to make that happen. So we're going to talk more about uh, Divish's uh, article and some of the other Uh, Nuggets of information that came out from that in just a moment. We'll be right back. So another noteworthy piece of news that Divish dropped in his article last night was that the Mariners are very, very interested in adding 
Athletics third baseman Matt Chapman via trade. They're also very interested in any of their starting pitchers from Frankie Montes to uh, Sean Manaya, Chris Bassett. Colby, what do you think about an infield that includes Matt Chapman and Marcus Simeon to go along with Ty France and J.P. Crawford? Um, that would be that'd be really good because you'd get Simeon um, and, and Chapman is hopefully the third best bat you, you add. Um, so that would be great. But, uh, you know, if you don't get Simeon and you get Chapman as your big addition, then that's, that's pretty, uh, <laughs> mediocre, let's say. Um, so yeah, it, it's not all that surprising to hear that the Mariners like Matt Chapman, um, and the Oakland pitching, it's kind of been something we've assumed here for a little while. And while you and I aren't, aren't big Chapman fans, um, you can certainly see why the Mariners might be interested in that because you look at their pitching staff and it's not one that misses bats, right? So if you're going to give up a lot of contact, you mm-hmm. want a really good defense. And Matt Chapman is still a very good defender at third base. So um, that could make some sense there. Uh, they obviously have a hole at third base. I would hope that they think or they have a really good idea of how they can help Chapman kind of get back to his old self in terms of, you know, not striking out a third at the time and, and, you know, maybe even hitting for a little average and getting on base a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, there, there are possibilities with Chapman that make sense for Seattle, but on the whole, he's, he's a pretty flawed player. So my guess is, is that Seattle is interested in Chapman so long as he's either either you know incredibly cheap or he's coming along with one of those pitchers um at least that's how i kind of read uh red divish's piece here Mm -hmm. um that yeah you know we we like chapman but are we going to give you a top prospect without also getting bassett or mania or or montas no at least that's that's kind of what i'm hoping (laughs) is meant by this um again i I don't want to make it sound like you know right like Chapman's off an awful player, but there are some big red flags there that uh, can't be ignored. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the health situation, the strikeouts, the lack of average, all that stuff is very concerning with him. And you ultimately don't want to overvalue his glove, which is great by the way, but mm-hmm. you don't want to overvalue that. You don't want to trade <clears throat> top assets for that. You don't want to trade for the Matt Chapman of 2018, 2017, et cetera. You want to trade for present day Matt Chapman, which is a good player. Don't get me wrong. Not a superstar, though. Not a MVP candidate, which he was at one point, but he's not that right now. So I like the idea of, of packaging him with a pitcher. And it would probably be one of the one-year guys than Montas, because I think that would just get ridiculously expensive because Montas has the two years. Chapman has two years. I think the A's, even though they probably shouldn't, probably going to ask for way too much on that front, but we'll see. I think you could swing a deal, though, that includes Bassett or Manaya in there as well, and uh, that could that could work out pretty, pretty well for you. You basically would, uh, for lack of a better term, kill two birds with one stone. What would a trade package like that, you know, look like for that kind of deal, though, Colby? Um, you know, it's kind of interesting here because 
you and I are of the belief, and I think this has since been confirmed, um, that Oakland is basically on a mission to cut as much payroll as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Largely because they are not interested in staying in Oakland. Uh, so they are trying to uh, you know, clear the decks for a move somewhere. Um, you know, I know, I know there's some, some people in Oakland who are, or in the Bay area who are hopeful and they, they keep, you know, tweeting us like, Oh no, look at, look at this plan. Look how great this would be. And it's like, yeah, we've heard about the, the Oakland renovation plan for like a decade now. And every time Oakland, the, the A's kind of scoff at it. So how much of this is really about dumping, dumping payroll? Uh, versus how much of this is they want to get legitimate talent back. And, and for the, for, you know, Chapman and any one of the starters, they're going to get good talent back there. There's no question about that. But if it's, you know, if it comes down to, Hey, we are going to give you this and we're going to take one of your bigger contracts or something like that, then you might be able to get them for almost nothing. Uh, Oakland doesn't have a lot of big contracts. I, I think Elvis Andrus is probably the big one. Um, I don't think Seattle will take that, but I, I think it's fair to start with somebody like Emerson Hancock for one of those, or for, for both of them. Um, maybe even a little bit less, you might be able to get, you know, Brandon Williamson and, and Taylor Trammell could work. Um, Seattle has a lot of, a lot of pitching that, that certainly Oakland would be very interested in. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the thing with Oakland is, is that they have a very specific and very good, uh, player development system. So they're looking for specific players. Uh, they're just not looking for, you know, the most talented guys. They want guys that they think they can, they can develop. So would they, would that, could it, is it possible that they would look for that while looking for that package, take some guys that Mariner fans would be surprised that they would, you know, consider to be the prizes of, of these trades. Yeah, it's possible. But I, I think if you're going to get Chapman and, let's just say Manaya. Um, I think you're, you're starting with Hancock um, and then maybe a couple, maybe a B tier prospect and, and uh, some fill, filler. And I think that might get it done. Mm-hmm. Do you think Abraham Toro has uh, his interests there? And, and would you be comfortable in trading Toro if you have Chapman and Simeon, for example? No, cause I, I'd still want the, uh, the utility, uh, the versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still right. believe in the bat and, and I, I don't, I don't believe in Chapman enough to not have any backup plan at third base. So, um, right. I wouldn't do it. Um, I don't know if the Mariners would, uh, but Toro is, is really good at one thing he proved last year. He doesn't strike out and that right. appears to be something the Mariners are starting to care about quite a bit right now. But then again, they're also, we're also talking about them acquiring Matt Chapman who, <laughs> Well, he strikes out a lot, so so we'll see. I believe it um, was thirty one point six percent of the time this yes, year, something like yes, that. So. Uh, one <laughs> other name to watch here it could be in play, Kyle Lewis. Uh, you know, Loriano got hit with that suspension. Um, heck, maybe he even gets traded. And Lewis is cheap and affordable, and he certainly has some upside. So I wouldn't be shocked if if Oakland was uh, interested in Kyle Lewis, and that may be a way you could avoid giving up. Hancock or, or Williamson or somebody like that, but it's it's kind of tough to know what Lewis's trade value is right now. I was wrong about Matt Chapman's strikeout rate, by the way. Thirty. It's worse. It is thirty-two point five percent. Oh boy! And the year before that, 
2020, 35.5%. Whew. So you got better. And somehow, and somehow still managed to have a 116 WRC+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's power there. It's, it's really frustrating. If you could get Chapman back to like 2018 Matt Chapman, like it's a legitimate... I mean, like, that's an MVP candidate. Yeah, I think he actually got MVP votes there, so I don't... I. It's a good player right now, but there are some signs of decline already, and there are some hip issues. So, yeah, it's it's like, a, you know, yeah, Chapman's a good player. I, I don't want to sit here and be like, you know, Chris Bryant him to death where we just pick apart his flaws and we're like, oh, yeah, he's not that good. No, Chapman's good. But is he a massive upgrade over Kyle Seeger? I wouldn't say massive. He's an upgrade, but... Hmm. You know, not significantly, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, the The Chapman rumors will not go away, so that probably tells us that they're uh, they're quite real. Yeah, and I mean, Jerry Depoto said it himself when asked about the A's potential fire cell and asked about the guys that they would potentially target. He said, "We like them all." So, I. If I had to guess, I would say that the Mariners are going to at least make one trade with the A's this offseason. Doesn't it feel like they're going to make at least one with Oakland and one with uh, Cincinnati? Yeah. I just, those two teams are dumping salary as fast as, you know, as fast as they can. They're, they're throwing the T off the ship. Um, and this is where Seattle's enormous payroll uh, flexibility can really come into play. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Like, would they like Chapman and Bassett more than they would like, say, Moustakis and Castillo? Because that's probably a debate that's being had right now in the Mariners' front office. And who knows? Maybe they'll just uh, recreate the mid-2010s A's in the process. Sign Mark Canna, get Marcus Simeon, trade for Matt Chapman, (laughs) get uh, Shamanaya, Chris Bassett or whatever. You know, just somebody asked yeah, in our our uh, Sunday AMA on uh, at Control the Zone on Twitter, um, how many twenty twenty Oakland or twenty twenty one Oakland A's are going to be on the Mariners in twenty twenty two? And I said three. So there you go, <laughs> pitcher Chapman Canna done. <laughs> and then they can also trade for uh, Sonny Gray, also a former A, and sign Marcus Simeon. There we go. Not only did we kill the Oakland A's and force them to rebuild, we picked apart their corpse like uh, like a vulture and built a team out of it. So there we go. Take that, well, Oakland. On that, on that gruesome note, we're going to end the show right there. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E. GNZLZ and Colby at CPAT11. That's CPAT11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate the support. Now make your second listen of the day Locked On Bets, your daily one stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert anal- analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow.